everyone, and welcome to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. We are privileged to be joined today by Rabbi Meir Yedid, the Rosh Hashiva of YDE, and the Rabbi of Sharei Tzion, and the author of the new Art Scroll book, The Power of Tranquility. Thank you, Rabbi Yedid, for joining us. Pleasure to speak to you. My first question I have to ask you, I read in your book, and I was astounded that you were born in Aleppo, Syria. You came to America at the age of nine, not knowing a word of English. Tell me what that was like, and to think that however number of years later, you're not only a Roshiva and a rabbi, you've authored a book. Apparently the language was not a barrier to your success. Right. Walk me right. through that. First of all, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, it was a nice challenge, I would say, that coming into a country that was different than what I've seen before. Uh, the language was different, the customs were different. Even Judaism was somewhat different than sure. what we were used to. And uh, the language barrier was certainly a big challenge, but you know, I guess uh, when you're a young person, you just continue to work at it and try to get where you need to get to. Now so, where did your family settle when they came to the United States? They settled in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Right. And you went to Yeshiva? I went to Mag and David Yeshiva, which was okay. at the time the only school in our community. Right. So that was the community school. My parents sent me, my mother actually sent me there. My father only came a year oh, wow. afterwards. Yeah, we were, we're, I'm the last of nine children. Okay. And uh, at, some, at one point we were dispersed all over the planet, you know, because everyone had to escape. It wasn't uh, that you can, you know, get on a flight and right. come together. So, but Baruch Hashem, now we're all back together. And at that point in your life, who were the influential figures who inspired you, whether it was in a synagogue or a school or yeshiva? At that point, who, who were the uh, figures who you looked up to? I guess at the, at the age of nine, I can't say there were many figures that, right. that uh, I thought about, but uh, definitely... Or later on, perhaps? Yeah, well, that, you know, at a young age, um, definitely uh, Rabbi Baruch ben Chaim was, uh, was, the, was the rabbi of our, yeshiva, our, our community. Right. So he was someone that I would see often. I would actually see him in school as well. He taught in the school. Oh, wow. So uh, he definitely helped me a lot. And you got to speak to him personally? Yeah, I was actually, when I came to this country, I was uh, considered an ilui in, 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 the, in the Judaic area. Oh, wow. In the, in the English area, I was uh, very behind. So he knew me very well from, uh, from the Bet Knesset. I was a popular boy there mm -hmm. for for that. So uh, he knew me very well, so he helped me out a lot. During you know, school, I had a lot of issues. You know, there were bullying issues, there were all types, you know, I'm the new kid that everyone could pick on. So he was there to help me a lot. Now in your book, you allude to a game-changing moment in seventh grade. Tell us about <laughs> that. Yeah, so uh, I remember it pretty, pretty vividly. Um, actually, I wrote it in the book about a, a moment that uh, I was always a good student. That was, I guess, one of the values that I grew up with in my home. My father was the chief rabbi of Syria, his yotzai was uh, yesterday. Um, and that was always the value in my home, that the education, you have to educate yourself. So coming into this country, I continued that same trend. I was proud to be an educated person and did well. Uh, but I guess certain American waves don't exactly agree with that. And uh, I remember in seventh grade, you know, I'm trying to get to be a normal boy, to learn the language, to, to do well in school. And I think it, by seventh grade, from fourth grade to seventh grade, I got there. I was getting there. And then uh, 
you know, one of the boys in, in the, in the uh, class turned over to me and says, you know, you're such a goody-goody, you know, and, and, and uh, it was very hurtful at the time. And uh, it stayed with me for many years. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I teach, Baruch Hashem, today a lot of young men, and I see it's a real, it's a real issue, whether it's a goody-goody or, you know, you're, you're a rabbi or you're, you know, all these types of comments that seem to be very nice. You know, I had the words, but the connotation obviously is negative. Did you use that as a source of self-motivation? No, what? no, that drove me down for many years. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. How did you bounce back? Um, I guess over experience, you start, you know, mm. you start to grow up and you start to realize that, you know, the, the, the real values that you grew up with may be better than you thought. Sometimes you have to try to fit in with people, you know, trying to live the American dream maybe. Now, Baruch Hashem, Klai Yisrael is blessed that someone recognized the greatness that lay within and you know you've gone on to become now a, a prominent rabbi and a rashiva. How did that uh, evolution happen? What, what was the process? I think um, Baruch, Baruch Hashem, I had a very very good upbringing in my home, education-wise. I always knew how to learn. I was always good in learning. Um, when I when we came to this country, it was a very big adjustment for my family. My parents also were kind of lost. You know, they're much older. They're living in a new country, new everything. So I, I don't know that I was myself forgotten, but maybe neglected in a certain way because of their inexperience. And uh, over the years, I was trying to you know, fit in with the right. American culture, whether it was sports or it was the community values. Um, so I was fortunate to have a very strong Torah education, always. Um, and at the age maybe of 20 and 21, maybe those years, I would say I started to... Uh, Really reconnect more. I never Baruch Hashem was off or anything like that, but I wasn't involved as much in Torah study like I should have been. At the time, it wasn't so prevalent in our community. We mm -hmm. didn't have any yeshivas, mm -hmm. so I wasn't like doing anything bad. But uh, I would say I started to connect more to my father, Allah Shalom. I started to appreciate much more who he was. He mm -hmm. was a very big Talmud Chacham. He was a Matmid Atzum. And uh, I started to connect to many of the values that Today I feel uh, obviously the real thing, but it took some time for me to be able to hear them. Now once you started appreciating higher level Torah learning, where were you able to pursue that? So, I, um, so first of all, the, 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 I would say the course of events, probably one of the biggest and most inspirational figures in my life, not personally, was Rabbi Vigda Miller. Wow. Yeah, so I uh, happened to maybe stumble your shul is not located far from not far. your shul. Not right. far, not far. Um, Rejoice, O Youth was a book that I had in my home. Wow. And uh, for some reason I had picked it up one day and started to read it. And it really opened my, my eyes and ears to things that I guess were bothering someone like me, but I never was able to speak it out, it. articulate it. Right. And he just said it so beautifully. Wow. And then he gave such clear answers, right, Miller? Allah Shalom had a very clear way of expressing ideas sure. that you walked away thinking, how did I not understand that? Like, did well, you ever get to go to any of his classes yeah, or I, lectures in person? Did I actually did, but I, that, that wasn't my biggest connection to him. It was through books or through recordings. I actually right. lived two doors away from his shul after oh, I got really? married. On Ocean Parkway? On Ocean Parkway, right wow. there. Yeah, so yeah, I, was, I, was a, I had a little bit of a relationship with him, but that wasn't really the inspiration. It didn't come from my personal relationship. It was more through his writings and his words on right. uh, cassettes. 
Well, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And we see how his writings and his recordings are still so popular today, many years after his patira, many years after they were delivered. So we see that his legacy lives on. It's def- definitely resonating with today's generation. Absolutely. Because, you know, his, his, like I say, his, he's a man of emet. You could see that from his words. But uh, I think even to me, more importantly than that, was that he had a certain clarity that, mm-hmm. the, that the listener walked out having no doubt about what he just heard. Right, you right. Know, and that's a, that's a power that you're able to read somebody in a clear way. Now, speaking of clarity, I would say that that's an attribute that I see in your book, The Power of Tranquility. Describe the genesis of this volume and how it came about. So, my, my, my trip, you know, in life, you mentioned before how, how I got to learning. So, uh, I wasn't in business for many years. And uh, Baruch Hashem, it was a very successful business. And uh, at the age of, I guess, 23, 29, just I got married, I was learning a lot. For I was learning as a, as a working man probably six, seven hours a day. Really? Well. Wow. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was learning a lot, uh, but I wasn't in a kolel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, had parnasah, had to take care of my family. And at some point, there was an opportunity, a new kolel opened up in Brooklyn. And uh, for some reason, somebody asked me to, uh, why don't you go meet the Rosh Kolel? And maybe I was, you know, people would see me, I was learning all day on Sundays, or whenever I had time, I was learning. So I actually went to meet the Rosh Kolel, and, and I decided to make a big change in my life to, to, uh, to learn Torah all day. And who was that? Who was the Rosh Kolel? So the, the Kolel was open Rabbi, Rabbi Ozeri, and Rabbi oh. David Sutton, actually. Oh. Yad Yosef is their synagogue in Brooklyn. So it was housed in their in their shul, in the and Rabbi Hamasher Hashwell is, oh, yeah. was the Rosh Kolel. Sure. Yeah. So I was privileged to meet him, and he accepted me, and uh, we started uh, my Kolel life. And I was there for seven years. Uh, it was, you know, a tremendous time of my life. Uh, I actually I promised my wife never to teach because I thought really? I, would, I would be able just to learn Torah Lishma, you know, just. And I did that for a number of years, and then certain opportunities came. You know the. Rabbi Ben Chaim passed away, Allah right. Shalom, and uh, you know the shul needed a rabbi, so that for some reason, I I was asked to 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 lead, and uh, and we went from there. So I'm fortunate that I find myself in a place that I have a, I have access to many 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 people. I, mm-hmm. I could speak to a thousand people on every every Shabbat, sure. you know, because the, the shul is very big. So I speak three, four times, and I've been doing this for, for years. And um, because of that, I, and I write everything down. Everything is safe, and everything is kept, and I, I have thousands of you know, essays that, that over the years. From know. speeches, shiurim, lectures, right, things right, like that. Right, right. So was th- this book was actually written over, you would say, any number of years? Yeah. And then the, you selected your right, choice right. Torah thoughts to, to, to put in exactly. here. Exactly. Now, the, the theme of the book is the power of tranquility. H- how would you define tranquility? Tranquility, I guess, is a, is a peace of mind, is, a, is shalom. Peace is shalom, right? To be complete. That the mind of a person is complete. Right. You know, uh, what does that mean? It means they have clarity about... Uh, where they want to be in life. It means they have clarity in understanding who they are as people. It's not enough to know where you want to go. You have right. to also know who you are, because if you don't know where you are, there's no way to find out how to get to where you want to go. You know, it's like telling the, uh, 
the ways, you know, where you want to go, but it doesn't know where you are. Without putting in the address. Right, so, so peace right. of mind means you understand where you want to get to, you understand who you are, you understand your struggles, and, and you, you're at peace with yourself. You know, the human has a, an inner struggle. All of us are struggling with two forces inside of us. The part of us that wants to be great, the part of us that wants to, to be inspired, the part of us that wants to accomplish. And then there's the lazy side of us and the, the, the tava side of us. And we're constantly struggling. Every, every minute of our day we're struggling to make those good decisions. So we have an inner war. That's so, so shalom, having shalom, peace of mind or tranquility is really coming and bringing these kohot together. And they actually, where the yetzirah now becomes an assistant to you instead of being fighting you. Which is something that, you know, people say, give me an example of that. How, how do you get the Yetzirah to become part of your team? Your ally, so to speak. How does that work? I mean, his right. job is to be Ra. So I give a very important example. I think it's a very relevant example. And the person goes to the gym. He gets inspired. He wants to work out. He wants to lose weight. He wants to develop more muscles, uh, health purposes. So, you know, he goes out and he buys all the clothing and he's ready to go. And uh, he goes to the gym and uh, he realizes after a workout that this is hard work. <laughs> His muscles are hurting. He's pushing himself way more than he thought he would. By the time he gets home, after that workout, his body doesn't want to go back. The next day or the next time around, his body says, stay home. His mind says, don't you want to be healthy? Don't you want to be strong? His body says, I'm tired. But guess what? If you keep going, if you keep going once and twice, after three months, six months, we know people, I'm sure you know people, that have been working out, whether it's jogging or running or weights, that after a year, they can't stop. Their body doesn't even let them stop. Right. That means the, the, that side of us, if you just keep pushing it, it becomes so much part of you. It becomes you. part of you. So yeah, wow. you have a hard time learning, you have a hard time doing kindness, you have a hard time, yes. But if you keep pushing yourself, now you have an ally with you. So menuchat nefesh peace of mind comes when a person is able to utilize those kochot and bring them together. Right, now we, we live in a chaotic world, a confused world. You know more than anyone working in the rabbinate and in chinuch. So you see really the spectrum of confusion and uncertainty from all ages. Why do you think that is? Why today is there so much uncertainty and confusion or... Or am I wrong about that? First of all, you're not wrong. There's definitely a lot of confusion. I can't measure what was 100 years ago as I didn't right. live 100 years ago. I imagine life used to be much more simple. So therefore, probably the confusion was much, more, much less simple. Uh, much less, rather. Um, you know, look, there's, there's, obvi there's obvious reasons. Technology, the, 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 the speed of how everything sure, runs in this world. It's such a fast-paced world. We're open to so many people. You know, growing up 100 years ago, you grew up in your city. You knew your father, mother, your siblings. You knew your family, your neighbors, your community. That's who you were exposed to. Those were your heroes. That's all you could choose from. Today, you have 8 billion people that you're exposed to. So obviously, that can cause a lot of confusion. Um, you know, social media hurts a lot when people are living in a virtual life. Um, and just general, general issues, you know, today we have a world that people don't work as hard as they used to. 
and therefore they have a lot more free time on their hand, which we know that Bitul, you know, when the person has, no, has too much free time, that it could be very dangerous. So a lot of that, a lot of those things coming together in our generation, which is very unique, obviously, has caused a lot of confusion, both by parents and by children. So, you know, somebody told me a very appropriate statement. You know, we opened the yeshiva about 10 years ago. And uh, someone told me a few years ago, he says, you know, I wish we opened the yeshiva for the parents and send the ch- left, left the children at home. <laughs> Which is true. You know, as parents, what we do has, translates over to our children. Sure. So there is a lot of confusion. And a book like this, I think, really tries to go into the roots of how a person can be strong. At the end of the day, if there's confusion in the world, that doesn't mean you're going to be confused. For example... Nobody makes you angry. You got angry because of somebody. Nobody annoys you. You decided to be annoyed. So also confusion. Just because it's a confusing world, it doesn't mean that a person can't find that clarity in their own life and look around and say, you know something? This is ridiculous. Because Hashem gives us the power to control our emotions, to control what we do, and perhaps most importantly, to control how we react to things. And I think that's what I got out of the book that we're really in control if we want to be. We just have to learn the tools, and the book really provides so much of that inspiration. Absolutely. Is there any particular message or story in the book, and there are tons of great ones, that stand out to you that you would share with our viewers and listeners? There's so many parts to the book that have really nothing to do with each other, but when you put them together as a package, they make a beautiful story. So there's... I think the part on anger, that was the end of the book, there are four essays on anger, which are life-changing. I've had many, many people over the years and over the last few months after the printing of this book have reached out to me how their life has changed because they were able to realize that they are angry much more than they thought they were, uh, and they got the tools to be able to deal with it. You know, one of my favorites uh, is, the, is, the, is the, the essay about the teenage years. Mm-hmm. How, um, you know, a person, what, what, what are the struggles of the teenage years? Where are the potholes of those years? Sometimes there are small things in our lives that we don't realize that they're really the block of where we need to get. So the confusion in our mind doesn't allow us to see clarity. Look, at the end of the day, you know, the, the Gemara the asks a question. The Gemara says, how come a camel has a short tail? Gemara and Shabbat. And the Gemara says because the camel lives in an area where there's thorns. So if it had a long tail, it would keep getting stuck in the thorns. So the Gemara says, how come a, an ox has a long tail? So the Gemara says, oh, because he lives in the swamp. And he's got all kinds of flies coming on his back. He, how, how is he going to get rid of them? You know, the point of that Gemara is that Hashem gives every creation the tools that they need to succeed in their life. That we can be sure about. Hashem... You know, we, we look to be inspired from others. We look to learn from others, which we always need to. But ultimately, most of the solutions are really inside of us. Hashem has given us the wisdom and the access to the right people and to the right books. Hashem will not put us in a world where we will not be able to see clarity and do what we have to do. The only issue is if our mind is not calm, if our mind is not at ease, we lose access to that information. We're like drunkards. A drunkard has all the wisdom right there. 
but they're right now drunk. So if a person doesn't have peace of mind, they're really walking around the world in a way that a drunk walks around, and they lose access to that light that, that shines up the, the darkness of this world. So whether we're young, obviously we're very confused, as teenagers are by nature confused for so many reasons, but that doesn't necessarily get better when we get older. So all aspects of life, they need, we need that peace of mind to get that clarity. You know, the Al-Ashur says, Rav Olba, Allah says, that this is where we need to get out. Our avodah is to get to peace of mind. I think he means that once you have peace of mind, the world is open to you. The decisions are easy. It's obvious. Of course you're not supposed to do that. Of course you're not supposed to say that. But you got to be first at peace. You mentioned before that you promised your wife you wouldn't go into teaching. Yes. I'm wondering if you promised your wife that you wouldn't go into the <laughs> rabbinate because I'm not sure which one would be more time-consuming and overwhelming, but I must ask you, you have a tremendous congregation, you have a flourishing yeshiva. How do you carry that, the, that responsibility? How do, you have so much coming at you. I'm sure it's with the support of, of your wife, but, but what's the secret to balancing that? I speak to Rabbanim. I have a brother who's a Rav. It's a full-time job. So how do you do that? I, I think that's a, a great question and re- relevant to the book. You know, peace of mind is the ability to live the moment. Very disturbing to the mind is when we are constantly living in the future, where we're worried about tomorrow. What's going to be tomorrow? What's going to be next month? What's going to be with my children? Am I going to get married? Am I going to make money? Am I going to be the person I'm going to be? So when we worry about the future, it disturbs our peace of mind. Thinking about the past, either wishing the past was here again, or you know, thinking twice about why did I do that? I wish I would have done that. All the wishful thinking disturbs our peace of mind. They say the famous words of Rabbi Dalavi, Ha'avar, the past, ain is gone. Ha'atid, the future, Adain, is not here. The moment is right here. If a person is able to live the moment, to become a very powerful person, because we have a limited amount of strength that Hashem gave us. It's a lot of strength, but it's limited. When we spread it over the future and over the past, so our kochot, our strength is, is really taken away from us in the, in the, in the, in the current situation that I'm in. So I think that the most important way to accomplish in life is to live the moment that you're in. Of course you live with a vision. Of course you live with a target. But you never worry about the next class. You never worry about the next project. You worry about what you're doing right now. You know, I always tell the, the, the boys that I teach, teenage boys, Aruch Hashem, I'm very privileged to teach boys in high school. And I tell them that multitasking, people think, is when you could do a lot of things at one time. It's a very big mistake. That's not what a multi... A multitasker is someone who knows how to do one thing at a time, but do it well, and then move on to the next thing. When you do something well and move on, Hashem just keeps giving you. You don't have to worry about the next thing. So really, I never really thought, if you ask me about how many things I'm doing and what, what I'm doing next year, it's, it's really not a... Re- I know what I'm doing right now. Right now, right. I'm sitting with you, and we're having a nice interview and discussing the book. Right. That's what I have to worry right now. When we finish this... We go on to the next thing. And if we live life that way, I believe that we're able to focus our energy 
in, in life itself and be much more accomplished. Now you've been able to spread your, uh, or spread your positive messages through speaking. You're a popular speaker, magadshir, uh, for organizations, yeshivas, things like that. And you're also spreading your message through writing. Which one do you find more effective and which one do you find more challenging? That's a great question. It's <laughs> a great question. I don't know if I've thought about that, the way you said it, but that's why you do what you do. I, I like that. <laughs> Um, there are some questions without <laughs> answers, you know? <laughs> no, no, I, I think, as, a, as a, I heard you ask the question, first of all, you know, I, I believe that, like most people, that inspiration is limited. As a speaker, to me, it's not, when I speak in front of a crowd, my goal is not to entertain them. My goal is not even to have them inspired. Mm. My goal is that they should do something after they walk away from that inspiration. If tell, everyone tells me, you know, great job, we really enjoyed it, while it makes you feel good that people enjoy what you say. But to me, that's not, that's not an accomplishment. Accomplishment is that, that a person do something to change his life. Is after he walks out, is he going to go open a book and start learning? Is he going to go now respect his parents more? If, if we don't get people to actually do something from the inspiration, so we really haven't, you know, we occupied their time. They listen to a nice year, which has its value. You know, Hashem appreciates even the smallest step that we take. But the real, you know, the, the real success, from my perspective, is that when a person really does something to change in his life. So inspiring people is important because sometimes to get them to that, to that point, you've got to inspire them. But it can't be just inspiration. You've got to measure your success. Are people changing in your life? Mm. Are the people around you making now new strides to become better people? If you're just coming to Yashir and they're walking out the same way and they're not doing anything, so we haven't done anything. So I think to answer your question, I think inspiring, speaking is the least important. Mm -hmm. But I think sitting in front of a Gemara and learning is the most important because nothing changes a person more than learning. And when you're able to put something in print, to me, it's, it's the combination of the two. Because in a book like this, we're able to inspire people by speaking their language. But at the same time, because it's in print, it stays in their head a lot longer. They could review it. They could come back to it. Sure. In an inspiring uh, lecture, you, can't, you don't have that. For sure. We're sitting here in beautiful Art Scroll Studios at Art Scroll headquarters. We're, I would say one of our mottos is that the written word is forever. A book is eternal. It also has tremendous reach, reaching people all over the globe. So there's no question that the book has an element where it's able to reach far beyond the confines of a finite number of people sitting in front of you. And that's why this book is just a, a blessing to Klal Yisrael. I want to thank you for taking the time to come here. You should be zeichet to continue inspiring Jews all over the world, whether it's in your position as a rabbi of a wonderful congregation, as a rabbi in a yeshiva, and uh, you should continue to keep spreading those messages of positivity and tranquility for many years. Amen. Amen. It was a pleasure to be here with you. I Thank enjoyed you. talking to you. Hopefully you so we'll much. have more discussions yeah, in the coming year. Yeah, we're looking forward year. to the next book. Okay, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you very much.